Publisher Podcast, Episode 76. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful summer. If you are listening to this when it first comes out live in August, and if not, well, whatever season you're listening to this in, I hope it's going great for you. So as always, I would like to remind you to head on over to the Women in Publishing summit.com forward slash events to check out what we have going on. We're running our free webinars every month. Um, And we have other training opportunities and uh, just great content on the blog and different things coming out as we start preparing for our next big conference, which will be March of 2023. If you're loving the podcast, I sure would appreciate a subscribe and a review. Hate to have to beg for that every week, but it is just like anything else. We teach book marketing tips on this, and we all know how important reviews are to books. Reviews are important to everything. Everything you buy, everything you do, um, everything you listen to, reviews help that entity get more exposure. So if you're enjoying this, we would appreciate a great review wherever you are listening to your podcast at. Okay, so this is a super fun interview. So Christine Svensson is a prolific author herself, although she writes under a pen name, which we'll discuss in the interview. But she also runs a uh, a flourishing publishing house for LGBTQ fiction writers. So we talked about a ton of things, representation for LGBTQ writers, uh, publishing houses and getting books, uh, enough books out there in the world through whether or not you want to work if you are an LGBTQ writer, if you'd like to publish under a house that is specific to that, um, her company, how they run, all of the submission processes for all of that. And then we just we just talked about so many other things. This is an, an interview just packed with great information, whether you are writing LGBTQ characters, whether you are LGBTQ or whether none of those apply, just great uh, topics for you to listen in and, and learn some information on book marketing, publishing, publishing process. There's some great tips throughout this entire interview. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't want to get in your Welcome to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. Today, I am speaking with Christine Svedson, who also goes by the pen name Isabella. And we are going to be talking about all kinds of interesting stuff. If you are LGBTQ writer or want to write characters in that or be published by it, this is definitely going to be a great episode for you to tune into. So Isabella and Christine um, has won three Indie Book Awards for Faithful Valor and Cigar Bear. Isabel is an award-winning author for Sapphire Books. She lives on the central coast of California with her wife and teaches at a local college. She also has three wonderful sons and rides motorcycles when she's not riding or remodeling a cabin in the Sierra foothills, which just really sounds like a lovely life <laughs> all around. She's written 16 novels and just finished Dusty Road Home, a standalone in the Strong Women series. If you want to read her current work, check out her newest relief, Blood Honor or Cigar Barons, a complete divergence from her usual romance and you can find them um, at the links that we've included in this or at any book vendor website she also is 
is um, talking about her love of writing through her podcast with Mickey Matthews called Two Chicks Talk Writing and through seminars and master classes. And also has, you are the publisher behind the Sapphire Publishing House, correct? I am. So lots and lots of stuff happening and going on. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So how did all of this get started and which came first, the writing or the publishing house? You know, actually the writing came first. Uh, I wrote my first novel, Always Faithful, and had submitted it to several publishers. And so I sent an email back saying, that's great, but that would be your book, not my book. (laughs) And so I looked at self-publishing and this was in 2010. So Amazon was just really starting to get started where people could self-publish. So uh, we, we got it edited, we got a cover design, we put it together and put it online and it and it did really well. In fact, it won a Goldie, Golden Crown Literary Society. And uh, I talked to my wife and we discussed it and thought about, we should just go ahead and start a publishing company. Uh, so we started Sapphire Books. And one of the things that we thought about doing down the road was maybe picking up an author or two. Initially, it was not our intent. But then as things started to roll, more people started to contact us. We had conversations and Mm -hmm. Sapphire pretty much grew to where it is now with about 30 authors. That's amazing. So my biggest question here as as an author and a publisher um, as well is how on earth do you have time to be writing all of these books and running a publishing house? Because that's where I am struggling. (laughs) I just spend all my time helping other authors and I never get the chance to work on my book. So I'm very curious as to how you've made all of this work. Uh, You know what? I I work a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, this is kind of one of those jobs. uh, For me, it's not eight to five. Uh, You know, I usually do publishing and I, and I work, I'm a college instructor at the the same time. And you've got three boys. So I'm just like, I thought I was busy. Now I'm like all hats off to Christine. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm lucky enough that all of my boys are out of the house. Uh, At the, when I started the company, they were not out of the house. We had two living at home at that time. So um, it was a struggle, but you know, you have to have good time management in this game. There's no doubt about having great time management. Uh, I did most of my writing at night. Mm -hmm. So during the day, I would do publishing stuff. And at night, I write. Yeah. And so, you know, when I get a free moment, I'm sure like many authors out there, you're constantly thinking about your book. You're constantly writing scenes in your head or dialogue or things you see or say Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a real people observer. So I look at people and watch them and think, oh, wow, that'd be that'd be a great character in a book someday, you know, kind of thing. And so time management, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's a, the best key advice I would give anybody. Well, okay. So it's going to be really hard to determine in 30 minutes, which way we should talk about. So first I want to talk about um, the publishing side for any of our authors who are looking for a representative publishing house to work with them. What type of, uh, um, how do people submit to you? What are you looking for in terms of authors? How many people do you take on a year? All those good things. Tell us all about Sapphire. So you at Sapphire's are Submission page is open for a while. We had closed our submission page because in an effort to really devote time to our authors, we didn't want to get super mm-hmm. big. I know mm-hmm. some publishing houses, you know, take on a lot of authors because uh, I think they think it gives them street cred and things like that. Um, we look at the work. 
uh, for Sapphire Books, we're looking for women loving women novels mm -hmm. with strong women characters. Um, we have some of our authors are bi, some of our authors are poly, and some of our authors are lesbian or same sex. Mm -hmm. We look for good novels like anybody. Um, we have a lot of, we get a lot of submissions and sometimes um, they don't follow our submission guidelines. Mm -hmm. So yes, this is a big issue. I want everybody to pause right now and just listen to this. If you're submitting to a publisher, follow the submission guidelines. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we, we tell them exactly what we're looking for. We tell them exactly, you know, what, how they should submit their books. Uh, for a lot of those, it's an automatic rejection. If you can't follow the mm -hmm. guidelines, mm -hmm. we might have a problem down the road. Yes, you know. it's a big red flag big red flag. And so once you get past that, then we start, we have a committee that looks at the submissions. I, I have the final say. We look at the submissions. Um, some books, as you know, romance is, is king. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the same mm -hmm. in the LGBT community. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of people who uh, submit books that are memoirs that don't sell. It's great mm -hmm. that you want to tell your family story or your, your path in this, in, in the community but they don't sell. Yeah. Uh, poetry, same way. Um, we've done a few poetry books uh, as, you know, because they've been great. We've, we've done several poetry books that have won awards and, and we're honored to be able to do that. But if we're going to look at a genre, romance, um, dystopian is on the upswing right now. Uh, so those are what we're looking for. We're looking for good stories. We've done historical some really great historical romance books. But I have to say that romance has to be an element in every one of those books. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think um, I've had I've, I've talked to um, a couple of different authors who have really talked about this idea of writing to market and um, how that leaves a, a bad taste in so many authors mouths because they're like, I just want to tell this story or this book. And I appreciate the fact that you're a very forthcoming about that there are just some books that just do not sell unless you have a platform like um, Amanda um, from the, the uh, inauguration and Gorman, is that her last name? I just, my mind just completely blanked. Um, where you get out and you're in front of the entire world. Like those are the kind of poets that are that are selling, but poetry as a, as a small author, those are hard. Memoirs are so hard. So <laughs> I think if you can take your story and fictionalize it and throw in some romance or throw in some things that are happening that other people are buying, I think that makes such a big difference. And the only reason I'm going on so much about this is because we're two publishers here talking publisher to publisher. Like I think a lot of times authors don't understand the business behind publishing and how much time and money investment goes into publishing an author. So even if it's the best written book you've ever read, if it's not in a genre or a category that's going to sell, it can't be picked up. Right. Well, and, and I don't think, you know, if I, another piece of advice I would give authors is if you're writing, treat it as a business, mm -hmm. you know, it, you might've come into this as a hobby and decided to do a book and, you know, you've done a great job and it's great. But once you submit it to a publisher, it becomes a business. It becomes mm -hmm. part of who you are in a business. It's, you know, I always tell writers, you know, this is your part of your legacy as an author. Right. You know, this, this 
this is something that if you've done it right, it'll end up in, you know, the Library of Congress and, you know, there'll be a historical record of this. But more importantly, treat it like a business, you know, have a marketing plan, understand that you might, you, you need to be active on social media, whatever that is, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's whatever, mm-hmm. and start to build that audience and treat it like a business. Yeah, you know, I've absolutely. Seen so, I've seen so many authors torch their career by being political or being, you know, outspoken on the current issues. And, you know, you have to sell to everybody, not just yeah. a token niche. Unless you happen to be a political writer and then by right. all means go bonkers on your, sure. on your, on your politicization of uh, politicization. Goodness gracious. I'm a writer. I should know words better, but <laughs> of a subject. It's so true though. And I just saw on Jane Friedman's Instagram account the other day, I saw her post a quote from um, a a well-known literary agent who again, uh, honed in on this. If you are, if you're serious about selling your book to a publisher, you have to be, you have to show that you can sell the book and, and social media is a great way of showing that you have that out there. So as much as people don't want to be doing these things, like it's really important. And, and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, like look how much money Coca-Cola puts into advertising. If they're still pumping billions into something, every person in the world knows about, you know, it should be an indication that we as unknown have to be pumping time, energy, effort, maybe even money into growing our, our public profiles as well. Um, so when someone comes to you and submit submits, like how many books a year do you take or, or, or does it just temp- depend? If you see three great books, that's how many you take. If you see 10, you take that many or how does that all work? Yeah, you know, we kind of look at, so we look at our publishing calendar and we look to see what our current author's have submitted and where they fit into the calendar. Mm -hmm. And then we look at uh, whether the book, two two things, is is the content marketable? Is it something that we think is going to sell? Mm -hmm. Um, And how well is it written? You know, Mm -hmm. we don't do developmental edits at Sapphire for authors. So, you know, if if somebody's going to submit to Sapphire, it should be as polished and ready to go as possible not saying we're not going to edit it. We're going to, we're going to have it edited. It's going to go through two proofers. It's going to go through, you know, layout and design. It's going to go through cover design, all of that, but we want to get the best product possible. And so sometimes it's feast or famine. Sometimes we get, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 submissions, you know, I get probably five to six submissions a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, of those some months we, we take none. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, right. you know, it's just what's coming through. And I think during the pandemic, everybody wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody had that free time and they're thinking, no, oh, I should write this book. I've had this idea. I'll go ahead and write a book. And then, and then we submit it. So we've had uh, instances where we've taken on five authors in a year and instances where we've taken on one. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends on the quality that's coming through. Yeah. Um, What are, uh, I guess I would say, while we're talking, this kind of bridges the gap between the publishing side and the writing side, but since you are a prolific author yourself and putting all of this content out there, are you seeing um, trends or things? I mean, obviously we already discussed romance. Romance will never go away. Like women right. just love, and men and everybody, um, <laughs> people love to, to read that romance. So um what are some trends that you are seeing as you're putting things out? You, you write 
you also write crime and thriller though as well. I yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've written Twisted Deception, which was a thriller, crime thriller. Um, I have an American Yakuza series about um, a female Japanese Yakuza head of mm -hmm. a family. So um, I think, you know, one of the things that helped was building an audience. I wrote a military, what I call uniform series. Um, in our community, we tend to really love women in uniform. And I <laughs> imagine... In, in, you know, normal and in, in straight romance, it's the same thing. Women love men in uniform. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Those, if, you, if you look at, you know, some of the, you know, Navy SEAL series and things like that, Brad Thor and all of those, they're writing about people in uniform or wearing uniforms. So those are popular. Um, so those are the genres. I've even written uh, vampire series. Mm -hmm. So I think if you are looking at the market, you know, Again, you know, we have this conversation where you write what sells. Exactly. <laughs> if you want a career in this, you need to write what sells. And I hear this all the time. Well, I want to write my book. Yep. Nobody's saying you can't write your book. Right. You just have to be realistic whether it's going to be published or not. And you might have to do it yourself. Well, and I, I will say that of the most successful authors that I've talked to, um, self-publishing indie authors, um, a traditional has their own stuff going on, but of the indie authors, the most successful I have are definitely the ones that even if they started going down one road, the two that I think of in particular, they started in a certain genre and then they were, as they were studying, because again, we're putting on our business hats as authors, as they were studying what was doing the best, what's getting the most reviews, what's going wild, what's at the top of the charts and all those kinds of things. They slowly realized that they could do much better if they you know, went into this that was not their specific genre. One of them, for example, started writing YA and she's now selling rom-com off the charts. The other one started with, um, well, her memoir was the first thing that she put out and we've already had that discussion. And then um, the next, then she started writing I think she was writing general romance, but she niched down into Regency and now has mm -hmm. become a top seller in Regency because she's so focused on that and that's selling so much, but we don't know next year, people may stop buying Regency. So then you have to decide, right. okay, am I going to stick here or am I going to go, you know, find something else? But it's, it's so true. And, and to your point, like you can do other things later, but if your goal is to be making a living as an author, then you have to do what, you know, is making, is going to actually make you money and, and putting out how many of the, of your authors that you publish, how many of them are either writing series or putting out multiple books? How many books do they generally put out? All of those questions. Yeah. So we have probably five authors, uh, myself included, who are consistently writing, mm -hmm. you know, who are putting out three to four books a year. Um, that's important because as you build your audience, your audience starts to demand more books. Mm -hmm. You can't write them fast enough, right. you know, when you start to build a series or when you start to build that following. And so, you know, we always look at one of the questions we ask new authors is do you, what's after this? Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily want a one and done, right? Because you know, if you're just building your audience, if you're just starting to get into this industry, it needs to have a follow-up and there needs yes. to be another book, especially, you know, if it's, if, if you find out it's a runaway bestseller, right. And, you know, people are going to want your next book. And if you're like, oh, well, gee, I, I, I just have this one, your chances of being picked up 
might be slimmer. Yeah, that's a great because, point. Because, yeah, yeah be, and, and because, you know, we're going to spend, we're going to spend our cash investing in your book. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't, our authors don't upfront any costs. You know, mm -hmm. we're a traditional publishing company. It's not hybrid. Um, our authors, we absorb, you know, we put in all the costs. And so we want it to be a bestseller as much as you do, because we want to recoup those costs, Absolutely. you know? And so we're always looking for those who are consistent writers. What we find is our bestsellers are those who are putting out three to four books a year mm -hmm. and they are building their audience. They're interacting on social media. They're really doing what they need to be doing on top of what we do for them as well. Sure. I'm, I'm curious from a publishing standpoint, when you have somebody who comes to you with a series or with um, a follow-on book, even if they're not series, if they're writing in the same genre, multiple books, do you tend to um, delay the publication of the first book until you're a little closer to the second or third book so that you can publish them faster or what's your, um, or, or, do, or do you just put them out as they're ready? So, you know, we, we set up a publishing calendar Mm -hmm. um, we look to see where they are on that second book. Is mm -hmm. it, is it done? Is it almost done? Um, because we're a small publishing house, our turnaround times, as you probably know, can be pretty quick. Mm -hmm. uh, we, but it, it still takes us, we have a four month, four to six month lead time mm -hmm. from the time we get the book, get the contract signed and get it to edits. That's pretty, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty fast. Uh, well, to edits, then how long before publication? Well, it depends, you know, it depends on how long it takes publication, um, where we are in the calendar. Sure. Uh, we have books now that we are coming in that are going to be in the last half of 2022 right now. Mm -hmm. um, because we can be that nimble, mm -hmm. we can help authors start to prep their marketing and things like that. Mm -hmm. We give them a date, you know, that it's going to drop. We have a calendar, you know, we know when everything's going to drop so that they can get out there and start marketing mm -hmm. and putting that together. Um, because we're small, we get to be a little more nimble. Yeah, absolutely. So um, do you have a particular time of the year that your submissions calendar is open or are you rolling? Right now we're rolling, okay. you know, and because we're getting so many submissions at some point, we might shut our calendar down, but we always say check back. Um, we're always, but we're always looking for good books, you know. And how, if someone's listening to this and really wants to apply to your company, where do you want them to go? Well, they can go to sapphirebooks.com and then click on the submissions button and it will take them to the submissions page. It'll give them all the guidelines. You know, we want a cover letter, a synopsis and a finished manuscript. Uh, we get a lot of people who inquire about a particular mm -hmm. book they're writing. That's not something we do. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't consider that kind of stuff. We need to see the manuscript and it should be the best edited manuscript. Your submission letter shouldn't have spelling errors or grammar errors. Your synopsis should be clear and concise, just like any publishing house. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, it's really important to do those types of things because as you said, you guys could get as many as 15, 20, 30, who knows if it's a big month more than that. And if you're only taking a handful of submissions a year, you know, it's really got to be the cream of the crop. You only get that first impression. So it's so important to do that well. Um, okay. So sapphirebooks.com, if anybody is, is considering that route, I highly suggest you go check out their website, check out the submission guidelines, see if it's going to be a good fit. So in the last section here, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk to people who are 
um, writing, since you are writing so many books, um, I would love it if you would share just a couple of tips on on women women loving. I love how you call it the women loving women genre. Um, do you have some tips that you would be willing to share with authors, straight or not, who are um, looking to to write in this genre? Sure. You know, I think that one of the things that we look for in our books is authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, how connected. Um, you know, I often say that sometimes. Um, straight writers uh, have their prejudice end when they put the pen down and they get to go on and live their lives while those of us who are in this community deal with this on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And so it's you know important that they try to be as authentic as possible. And if they don't know how that works, talk to somebody who lives in this community, who lives this life you know, on a day-to-day basis. You wouldn't write a Navy SEAL book without talking to a Navy SEAL. I would hope not. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I call it the Stephen King leap of faith when somebody says, oh, well, you know, we can write, you know, Stephen King writes serial killers, but we're not all serial. None of us are serial killers. You know, I'm sure there's, I'm not, I'm sure there's, (laughs) right, exactly. I'm sure there's no serial killer in prison going, boy, he got that wrong. That was so off (laughs) Right. So, you know, when, and so when we, when we write outside the genre, like, let's say vampire novels, nobody has the lock on that. Everybody has their take on that or zombies or whatever. But when you write within a community that's reading those books, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a certain amount of authenticity that we're looking for. So have that conversation, you know, um, I hear a lot of people Um, more women buy gay male romance than they buy lesbian romance or women loving women romance. Ah, did they say why? Uh, You know, I, I was at uh, RWA. I was at RWA. I'm an RWA member and I was at the book signing for for uh, literacy. Uh And I was sitting next to an author who I won't say who writes gay male romance. And as the women came by, I said, Hey, you should check this out. You know? And um, they're like, oh, well, what is it? And I said, it's lesbian romance. And they went, oh, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What is it about gay male romance that you like? And her response was, I can always see myself as the other person in a gay male romance. Huh. And but I they said, can't in the women's. But they can't in the women's. That's and really so, interesting. Yeah. And so it's one of those situations and not all women, obviously. Um, I do sell a lot of books to men. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it, it gets the opposite that men like lesbian romance. Again, maybe it's because <laughs> they can see themselves as the other side of that. Um, and so I think that when you're writing these characters, think about their lives. What is it that they're coping with and dealing with? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's whether it's prejudice, whether it's homophobia, whether it's, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised by some of the things that people encounter in their daily lives that a lot of us, you know, take for granted. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson across the board. If you're writing Absolutely. any character that doesn't represent you in any manner, like digging down into talking to people that would have lived that kind of lifestyle or done that type of thing. And I guarantee you, Stephen King has probably spent a lot of time interviewing police officers and crime scene investigators and things like that to make sure that he has some of that stuff down there because you just can't write an authentic book that's, or even, I mean, scary, I guess, whatever you want to put in there is scary, but 
um, yeah, doing, taking the time to do that research. And that leads me to another question that we get asked about a lot. And that is, do you have, um, what are your thoughts on sensitivity readers and do you have any, or do you have recommendations on where people can go if they're outside of the community? Yeah, you know, I, I use sensitivity readers um, in, in my books. Um, when I did Cigar Barons, I had traveled to Nicaragua twice, you know, was down there doing research for Cigar Barons, and I'm part of the cigar community. And I grew up in a very Latino home for 12 years. My stepdad was Latino, so I had a lot of basis on writing those characters. I could draw from my own experience of living in mm -hmm. a Latino family but I had sensitivity readers read it as well to make sure that I got it right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important when you're writing characters where you may not have that experience. Yeah. If you can reach out to get uh, sensitivity readers, I think it will help your, make your writing stronger. And yeah. you won't have those questions like, oh my God, you were so way off the base here. Nobody <laughs> ever says that, or nobody ever does that. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so uh, I had some friends who are of the culture, Latina culture, who read the book. And luckily I got it, you know, I got it right. I relied on my experience, but I think one of the greatest things is, oh my God, that's my uncle. I totally <laughs> see my uncle in that character. You got it, you nailed it. Um, you can put a call out on Facebook if you have, you know, a group of, of people that you have, if you have a street team, you know, made up, of, and, and I would recommend if you do have a street team, kind of make sure it's diverse because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that will help you out, you mm -hmm. know, when it comes to these kinds of things, or if you have beta readers, mm -hmm. you know, that diversity helps. So that's how, you know, I would approach it. You know, I think um, that's a really good point that it can be just people in your own community or people that, you know, I mean, we see, obviously there are people that offer the sensitive sensitivity reading services, and that's definitely a route that you can go, but you have so much generally, unless you are like, you know, from a community and I'll give an example, my ex-husband's from upstate New York. It's a very not diverse community. So <laughs> if he were living and writing in that community, he might not have anyone to reach out to, but most of us have somebody in our lives or somebody who knows someone who could sure. potentially just read it and just just give that feedback. Like they don't have to be an editor. They don't have to be trained in anything. They just have to say, well, this, my experience is not like this person's um, and give that kind of feedback as well. So I think that's a really great point. Um, so you also have a podcast and that you talk about writing. Is that correct? Yep. With McGee Matthews. And remind me of the name of that podcast again. I know I read it in the beginning, but two chicks talk, two chicks talk writing. Two chicks talk writing. So obviously it's going to be for anybody who wants writing. Um, now, do you talk across the spectrum or do you focus sure. on a certain genre, just anything related to writing? Yeah, you know, we we talk about things like pen names, conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a big podcast on conferences. Now that conferences are starting to come back, what's mm -hmm. that going to look like? Is mm -hmm. it going to change? Is it going to be, are we going to see more virtual conferences? And so we talk about different things. We're a little on a hiatus because my, my partner had surgery. So we've taken oh. a little bit of a hiatus while she recovers. Mm -hmm. And so um, we've, we look at everything publishing and writing. Okay. You know, from, from our perspective, we've both together put out 20 novels, you know, so we have a little bit of uh, street cred there and what mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, running a publishing company helps 
because if you've said it, I've probably heard it. You know, Absolutely. if you've done it, I've probably done it. If you haven't done it, I can give you some advice on how to do it right. Hopefully. <laughs> and are you open to guests on that or is it just the two of you? Yeah, no, we're, we're going to look at, we're going to start having guests on there. So we're okay. looking at writers. We're looking at having guests. Uh, we want to talk to writers and publishers about their experiences. We're going to have uh, Lee Fitzsimmons from Desert Palm Press on. So we're looking at having a wide berth of experience and advice. Um, we cut up a lot in there sometimes. It gets pretty hilarious. And so uh, we try to have fun with it, you know, like everything it's, it shouldn't be a grind. It should be entertaining and fun as well. I love it. Um, laughter is the best remedy and medicine for everything, I think. Um, so how do people pitch you if they want to be on the podcast? Uh, you know, they can send us an email through uh, twochickstalkwriting.com or at two chicks, I, uh, two chicks talk writing at gmail.com. And it's the letter, it's the number two. Okay. Well, make sure that's in the show notes because we always get a lot of people asking. I'm a big fan of, of authors and of publishers and people in the industry getting out there and being on people's podcasts. So I know that will be something that people will be interested in learning more about. So, well, this has been Isabella or Christine or however we're, um, we're engaging right now. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you and learning more about your company and your books and your philosophies and all of those things. And I, I appreciate you taking time out to be on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. You've been a great host and, and I can't, you know, thank you enough for having us. Thank you. You don't have to give me your heart. You don't have to give it away. You don't gotta thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.